0: i'm brett chang and i am jay rosenthal and this is your peak daily for wednesday december 20th where we cover the biggest stories in canadian and global business finance and tech all in less than seven minutes
1: jay if you were looking for a reason to hold on to your old furniture this is it and by the way i don't think anyone's looking for a reason to do that so this is one of them which is a set of ikea furniture dating back to the 1950s went for fifty four thousand dollars at a recent auction The most outrageous sale was a red Impala sofa by Gillis Lundgren, the designer behind the famous Billy Bookshelf, which went for $2,800, but cost just $174 in stores in 1972. Jay, are you keeping that IKEA furniture? I am not. We've been, uh, not systematically, but over time getting
0: rid of it. I have one in my office, an old sort of bookshelf that has made its way here. We have one in the garage. But you want to know what I want to know about the 1950s IKEA furniture? Sure. Does it come with the
1: Allen wrench? That's a good question. Or were they even using the, they have a different type of wrench back then? Who knows? Right. So you can't even put it together, even if you bought it. One of the problems with it is that you can't use the furniture if you want to keep it that long because it won't last. So you have to buy it, put it in archive, and just cross your fingers. There's no utility to it. Very little, very little.
0: But the Billy is, uh, you know, surely a staple in everybody's life or nearly everybody's life, for sure. And I say one thing about Ikea. You drive by it every weekend, It's packed every weekend, every day. It's really something.
1: It it just, it fills a hole in the market. I think about this too, which is back in the day, the 90s early 2000s jay there was no way to get affordable furniture you had to get expensive stuff they really filled a void so good for ikea you know congratulations to the multi-billion dollar ikea corporation
0: and good for allen wrench sales everywhere brett aside from ikea what do we have for peak cost today
1: for our first story temporary residents drive population boom for our second story imagine faster canadian trains and for our third story annual reviews are having performance problems. For our
0: first story, better start baking those welcome cookies now because you've got a million new neighbors to welcome. Wow, that's pretty exciting. How did we get here, Brett?
1: So Canada's population grew by more than a million over the first nine months of the year, according to newly released Statistics Canada data.
0: More than 430,000 newcomers have arrived in Canada since July 1st, with nearly 200,000 of them settling in Ontario.
1: This is a big deal because Canada's population is growing at the fastest pace since 1957. Back then, the baby boom was in full swing and tens of thousands of Hungarian refugees were arriving.
0: Yes, but unlike then, Canada's population growth isn't tied to new permanent residents, with temporary workers
1: and international students making up a bulk of the newcomers. Of those who arrived since July 1st, 63% came on temporary work or international student permits, bringing the non-permanent resident population to over 2.5 million. Here's the big picture. People from Canada's business
0: community have argued the influx of workers is needed to fill labor market gaps, but others have raised concerns about the outsized share of non-permanent residents making up the population boom.
1: To zoom out, Alberta Federation of Labor President Gil McCowan posted, We're being transformed into a guest worker country instead of a country of citizen immigrants. For our second story, a new bill is trying to move fast trains from a European ideal into a Canadian reality. How will the Toronto to Montreal train trip get faster, Jay? Well, Canada's passenger train network
0: is notoriously plagued with delays, but a proposed new law would force railway owners and operators to prioritize passenger-filled trains over freight trains in any scheduling conflict or pay a $250,000 fine for every single infraction.
1: Now, the law's scope could extend beyond services like Via Rail, Canadian Pacific, and Canadian National and apply to U.S. and regional operators like Metrolinx.
0: Now, to catch you up, across North America, rail networks have predominantly privately owned and designed for freight transport with passenger trains often operating on a rented tracks from private companies. This priority system generally leads to lots of frustrated commuters and delays.
1: It matters because if passed, the bill could potentially reshape Canada's entire rail transport landscape, aligning it with global standards where passenger convenience is paramount and address growing criticism from passengers who are consistently impacted by delays.
0: MetroLink's $13.5 billion project to revamp the GO Train network includes dedicated
1: tracks and electrification, marking a larger shift towards prioritizing passenger rail. The big picture is that, meanwhile, the federal government is working on a $12 billion high-frequency rail update for Via Rails route between Toronto and Quebec City. That's that Toronto-Montreal to route, which will separate freight and passenger trains, promising punctuality and enhanced speeds up to 200 kilometres an hour. Pretty speedy.
0: For our third story, is your looming annual performance review getting you down? You aren't the only one.
1: Driving the news, Jay, nobody likes performance reviews. Not only do they stress out employees, but more and more companies are starting to think they do a crummy job of actually evaluating job performance. A Gallup poll found that 95% of managers don't like their organization's review
0: system, while only 20% of employees feel inspired by reviews to perform better.
1: Block CEO Jack Dorsey recently axed annual performance reviews, instead moving to provide ongoing feedback to employees throughout the year. And psychedelic trips. Just kidding, he didn't do that. It matters because the
0: options to replace annual reviews have their own drawbacks. For example, even though ongoing evaluations are getting more popular, they give companies that are eager to make cuts more chances to fire staff,
1: which doesn't do wonders for worker morale. And to zoom out, stack ranking is resurging in the tech sector. Popularized by GE in the 1980s, the method places workers in tiers, with those at the bottom of rankings at risk of being let go. But GE stopped in 2016 when it found that it hurt morale and didn't help performance. In the past, it also
0: created poisonous cultures at Microsoft and Amazon that inadvertently encourage competition, even
1: sabotage between employees. The bottom line is, research suggests the key to constructive evaluations is managers showing humility throughout. So if you're looking to improve your reviews, spend less time thinking about the process, more time considering whether you're being a bit of a jerk. Peak Pals, thanks for making us the most listened to business news podcast in Canada. If you got a second one, follow this podcast
0: on your app of choice and leave us a
1: review. And if you want more Peak, make sure to subscribe to our daily newsletter at readthepeak.com. Have a great Wednesday, Peak Pals.
0: When you give me shockwave